Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. Hello there and welcome to an earlier than usual edition of the Irish Times Second Captain's Podcast. Owen and Murphy here on a Wednesday afternoon. Hi, Kieran. Hello there, Owen. Happy Wednesday to you. I think I'll get straight into explaining why we're coming to you on a Wednesday. I'm sure I wasn't the only one watching Ireland-Serbia on Monday night thinking there's a hint of Ireland in Moscow during Euro 2012 qualifying about this one. A lot more goals, but the same level of last-ditch desperation about a lot of the Irish defending and eventually a pretty good result. Yesterday... Marked five years to the day since that game against Russia. And today, the star of the show, Richard Dunn, was in town. So I have chatted to Richard Dunn and we figured, why sit on this Richard Dunn interview? Mm, why not get can't. him out there? He's a lovely guy, comes across very well. Let's hear from him. We couldn't, in all, in all honesty, look at our lis- look our listeners in the eye if we had sat on this, uh, this audio. They'd said, we've heard him elsewhere. Yeah. We'll still listen to the interview, sure, but we've heard him elsewhere. So no, you're going to hear him here first, unless you heard him elsewhere. Or unless you've been, you're listening to this podcast, say, over the weekend. Well, that's not our problem, Murph. Exactly. Those latecomers is not our problem. We can't, <laughs> can't please them all. We've, take, we've taken the listener to water, but we cannot make that listener drink. Or something. So we... I was looking at the... Okay, right. Richard Dodd in Moscow was one of the most iconic blood and guts defensive performances in the history of Irish sport. I don't think I'm going too far in saying. Uh, okay, the old bring on the Russians, there are no more Russian shtick has gotten a little bit tired. It might have been tired the morning after the game, if I remember correctly. So, but don't let it put you off. Do go and watch. I urge you to watch the video of Dunn's performance again today. It's been tweeted out and put out a lot over the last 24 hours or so, given that it's five years since the match. It was pretty damn impressive, Murph. Pretty yes. damn impressive. I know as well that there are, a lot, there are a couple of standout moments from... Uh, it's a six minute clip of every one of Richard Dunn's touches <laughs> some of them a little more prosaic shall we say than others I love I love those kind of videos though because this yeah. the dramatic music remains dramatic even as he's rolling a five yard pass to his fellow centre <laughs> to Stephen Ward yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah no, the, 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 I think the standout moment for both of us was when he uh, sallied upfield beat like three players with some delightful footwork lost the ball the guy who took the ball off him then went back up the field. Richard Dunn ch- picked himself up, chased <laughs> that gentleman, and then slide tackled fr- t- slide tackled him from behind, 
to regain possession. And he had made a tackle himself in the first place before the Sally Forth <laughs> began. Yeah, it was it was an ext- extremely funny uh, piece of footage. Those are the bits that you forget about, though. Obviously, everyone remembers the smashing the head off the running Ugh. track as he's making a tackle. The uh, ridiculous block that was kind of like a effectively a, a back, back heel. heel. Yeah, I get into that a little bit with him because that was just an unbelievable clearance. And contortionism. Yeah, the drawing of the number with the felt tip pen on the back of the jersey, which was absolutely surreal. You remember, I well, they're certainly my standout memories. That, the, but like, but the point you make about taking the ball out of defence, running back, making this tackle, the back heel, just it's no harm reminding ourselves that when Richard Dunn was at his best, he was a brilliant defender, yeah. was absolutely superb defender. Uh, I think that was generally accepted. You know, there were times, there were times, in fairness, he was Manchester City player of the year four years in a row, and there were times there when he got a lot of acclaim. He did score a lot of OGs over there. I've heard mm. him talking about this in the last few months, and he said, Well, yeah, I scored a lot of OGs. A lot of players have scored less OGs because they don't want to get them on the, you know, they yeah. don't want to throw themselves in there and, and go for the clearance. I was happy enough. It's kind of, it's kind of mental that. 10 or so of them happened to go into my own net but I'd rather go for it than be standing there Well there is that idea that as a ball flies across your 6 yard box you can either go for it yourself and try and clear it or you can get out of the way of it for fear of an own goal and just let the forward who's drifting in behind you have a really easy tap in goal so Mm. I think that's where Richard's coming from there uh, we'll play that in a second Football pod will come tomorrow Thursday uh, Ken is going to be here Richie's going to be here Loads of reaction to Ireland-Serbia Including Emmett Malone's story Yesterday about FAI officials Apparently stopping and searching Some travelling fans In order to As the article says In order to prevent Public displays of dissatisfaction With the chief executive John Delaney At Ireland's World Cup qualifier In Belgrade On Monday night This is uh, a story I'm sure that we'll pick up on In the football podcast We're also going to talk today To Shane Horgan About the Stuart Lancaster appointment At uh, Leinster And the confirmation That Warren Gatton Will coach the Lions We'll talk about that In a few minutes time But first up It's one of the all time Irish footballing greats Richard Dunn Richard great to chat to you First of all Hope you're keeping well Good good. You've probably been reminded Of this already today It was five years to the day Yesterday since Moscow uh, Your performance And the the draw We got out there Is that the game That most people Remind you of Yeah It's um, That's what they bring up All the time You know And everyone likes to speak about it And it was uh, It was nice It was a good memory And it's um, I suppose Something that I can be proud of And uh, Certainly the in terms of performances, I suppose the best one that I, I put in for Ireland. You you think yourself was the best one because supporters love it. You know, supporters. I yeah. think I think we all I think we all <laughs> like the blood and guts part of it. But you you were delighted with it on the day yourself. Yeah. yeah, it was good. I mean, on the day you don't really notice because it's all about just getting the result. And then you look back now with the retired, you can look back and say, Jesus, that was that was great." You know, so it's um, it is. There's there's probably other matches which get, which get lost, but thus the whole, I suppose drama and stupidness of getting your number written on and all that <laughs> stuff it keeps, a, keeps the whole performance a bit fresher in my mind I suppose than they don't. at the time as you say you're not taking any of this in I guess because yeah. it looked ridiculous getting the number painted up but all, yeah. you've just got the tunnel vision you're in the middle of this massive game and you can't worry about how weird it is at Alan Kelly it was Alan Kelly <laughs> I think wasn't Alan it Kelly, yeah yeah because yeah. yeah, it's like because I thought I won the ball in this tackle got a touch on the ball smashed my face off the ground got, got up got all fixed and put back together then I got booked for it and then I got sent back off and he's like this ref's mad like just leave us on he's sending me off the pitch so to get a number on or something like that and you're thinking what's the you don't know and then it's just yeah so you put all your focus is just getting back on and performing and doing the match and playing the games and 
It's um, but it's one of those when during the match if you start thinking I'm brilliant and it's all great and all that stuff, then that's when you switch off mm-hmm. and everything goes wrong. You know, so you don't worry about that. You just if you make the tackle, you try and make the next one. You try and get the next header. You try and do the next thing, and it's um, it's just one of those games and. Uh, you can put in the same effort the following week and you don't get near any of the balls and it's just that night everything came towards me so yeah I was watching it back this morning watching the, the highlights and the the ref booked you as you were actually getting the treatment it was while you were standing so you, you yeah. made that tackle it looked like you got the ball in fairness I'm not, yeah. I'm not just saying <laughs> it looked like you got the ball you hit the running track he, set, he, he books you then but I think a lot of people do remember that side of it and, and the jersey and all that mm. but some of your interventions were, were you know top class defending mm. there was one in particular where you sort of back heeled the ball off the line I don't know if you even remember particularly yeah. well but it, it wasn't all just about it can't just be about I suppose the, the big tackles you know you no know, yeah, yeah. Top no, it was good well. it was um, it was it was one of those games where things came off you know and it's like clearing the ball off the line it's just an instinct because the fella had gone past me on at one stage and then well I can't affect the ball that way but if it comes near the goal I'll be able to get it and luckily I got into the right place at the right time and yeah there's just it happens and you get you get lucky sometimes and your man could have stuck it in the other far corner and then <laughs> the whole game changes you know so it's uh, yeah it's good and I mean even at the match whatever I did the amount of saves that Shea had to make as well in the match so it was it was definitely a, a team performance and I think Darren Odie played didn't he and was he I think yeah, it was yeah, yeah. yeah and he hadn't played many matches and he came in and yeah. he'd done great so it was uh, it was good it was a, it was a good team performance because we'd, we'd drawn at Slovakia at home the few nights before and that was a disappointing performance and a different disappointing result because we thought we we needed to win that so yeah it was just the ups and downs of it are you getting do you find yourself getting nostalgic about any of it now mm, no I don't think so I think um, I I suppose the one thing that I do miss is playing for Ireland you know and people I'm trying to because people always say oh, you must miss it you must miss playing football you must and I don't you know I don't, I've, never, I've never had this feeling that I want to go and be involved in it again and I suppose watching the Ireland matches when the national anthem is being played then you think yeah, I'd like to be involved in that and then after that it's like it's enough you know like for that split second you want to be there and then afterwards you just think oh well, grand there on the sofa so it's uh, I love that I absolutely love playing football and being involved in it and all that stuff but like more than happy now just to to be a fan and to watch what was it about the about playing for Ireland because we saw this with Robbie Keane retiring last week as well there's a it seems very genuine that you guys uh, I mentioned you two I suppose because you came up together mm. do have this love of playing for the country is it something that's easy to explain um, I don't know I don't I don't know what it was I don't know whether it's because of the the era that we grew up in yeah. with the World Cups and all that stuff and having the opportunity to try and replicate it and be like your heroes be your Paul McGrath or your Ronnie Whelans or whoever you know and try and try and do that again um, it's just it's something very unique I think the football the club side of it is a is like your job and then the international football was a was a bit of a release you know you could come over and it was it was probably more important than your club football because you always feel like you have an opportunity to fix it at club football because you can do it the next the next game in a few days time whereas Ireland it was 
it was um, sort of one-off matches which meant everything because the groups were so small they needed they needed to get points from every game and it was just it was nice it was nice to play in the stadium in whether it be Lansdowne Road or Audi Aviva just nice to be out there I suppose <laughs> it's just strange you know, I don't know it's, it's the one thing that I'd, that I'd love to do again is go and play a match for Ireland and it's like I don't even know why <laughs> yeah it's yeah. it's interesting you're not missing the day to day part of it mm. too much because a lot of footballers a lot of sports people that I chat over the years yeah. they do miss it they find it hard to just replace that replace the routine as much as anything yeah. else but you've been alright on that score yeah I've not I've not being bothered about it you know I'm quite happy to do nothing at times and just relax and have that freedom of I'll go and do this today or I'll do that today you know and rather than being told and being told what to wear and what time to be there and all that stuff and it's nice I, I but some people find that it's almost I don't know if you get institutionalised yeah I think you some need people the routine you need the routine and yeah. it's almost hard to think for yourself at the end yeah. at the end of all that yeah it can be because it, everything is done for you in football so literally everything really? you know yeah, it's ridiculous so if whatever you want you just tell someone at the club and they'll they'll do it or they'll give someone a job to make them do it and stuff like that and it's like bills for the house everything bills shopping grocery shopping traffic license or traffic things all yeah, driver's license driver's license yeah. cars everything if you want I'm sure you can send people out shopping you can some players even take their dinner home from, from work you know, <laughs> and just reheat it which is they probably have someone to reheat it for them but it's, <laughs> it's you, you then step out and it's like well I can't actually do anything for myself now because someone's done it for me all life, so I need I need to get back into football so I can have it. So whereas there's loads of people as well who are just well, just normal, just go and do your own thing, do everything, and then when you when you leave, you're you're capable of looking after yourself. I suppose you've gone over to France, so you've started. Uh, I guess that's a way of starting something totally new. You've dived straight into a different kind of a lifestyle, which which probably helps. Yeah, it does, and it's. Uh, it uh, removes you from that football bubble as well. Whereas in in England or when I lived in England, it's like everyone and the same in Ireland. Everyone's a football fan. Everyone and I am, and I go out with my friends and we talk about football and all that stuff. And everyone wants to talk about football. So if they see a footballer, it's like right. Well, I'm going to ask him questions about football. And to me, then if I'm in that environment all the time thinking and talking about football it's like well I might as well get back into it and you start missing it a bit more and just stepping away and for I don't know maybe seven or eight months I didn't watch it or didn't get involved I had nothing right. to do with it and then when I was ready I was able to watch it again and enjoy watching it and enjoy being a fan whereas I'd had six or seven months of just relaxing and sort of detoxing <laughs> football I suppose and just becoming a, I suppose, just normal again, rather than like you say, do get institu- institutionalized. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so just to try and break away from that and just have your own. Right, I can go up at twelve o'clock or whatever, or I can stay up late, or I can do this and do that. You know, so it's a, uh, it's good. It, it, that has helped me in in that way. I think people don't know. Don't know me in France, so there's not nobody's sure asking all the questions and all that time. So it's 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 uh, it, it worked well. It gives you something else to concentrate, and rather than worrying about work and stuff like that, you're trying to sort out 
schools for kids in a different country with different languages and it's, it's yeah keeps you occupied before you know it's gone you know the the time's gone it's like gosh I retired <laughs> it's like <laughs> that was ages ago now but, yeah. yeah you're still playing a bit of five aside though I'm still playing with my friends on a Monday yeah right. and that's that's the um, that's the pleasure that I get I love I love playing football and I'll always love playing football and I enjoy watching football now and again so to um I don't know whether that's helped me in terms of not missing it because I I enjoy the matches I enjoy training I used to enjoy playing the matches and training and stuff like that and I still get that you know we get a less now because it's once or twice a week or something like that but I love it for an hour and a half I just love <laughs> having that little bit of fun and there's no pressure there's no nobody cares you know what I mean at the end of well you do care because you don't want to lose there's a good group of lads that I was going to say it's the only game of five aside where nobody cares if, if, if that is the case yeah <laughs> no no, they are, if, yeah, it's, it's wrong to say that <laughs> but it's not once the game's over it's not going to be in the paper the next day and all that mm. stuff so it's, it's nice but tell me it's okay so if I put you in a situation you're playing five aside you're 9-7 down mm. a few minutes to go there's a player there's a striker running through on goal do you can you actually hold yourself back or do you go full Richard Dunn and yeah man and ball <laughs> take him out we have uh, five aside, which is amongst friends. So I try not to tackle because I don't want to, because I don't want to hurt myself more than that. <laughs> but then on the another day, we have a seven aside, which is against local French people. And on my team is a group of Irish lads and a group of English lads. <clears throat> and um, yeah, sometimes the locals don't really like us. So. <laughs> It's nice to tackle them. <laughs> it's nice if you get a good opportunity to to put a tackle in, and then does it makes you because it's like oh, I've not done that for ages, and it feels good about it. So how how does the players been tackled react? It's probably a bit of a shock. A bit of a shock, I think. Yeah, at times, and then because they're young kids, so they always want to grow up and have a fight, and then they look and say, oh, no, "I'll leave this one, <laughs> start the next one." Yeah, so it's good. You, you said you're supporting the team. You obviously would have loved the the Euros. Can you remember your reaction when Robbie Brady's header went in? Were you on TV? Were you doing ITV? Yeah, doing ITV for it. Yeah, trying to stay. Were you trying to stay kind of professional? No, we were all up in the studio. Everyone was up because it was just when when someone deserves it so much, and they did deserve it so much. And the night they were they done great, and they it just didn't seem like it was going to come. You know, it's, I think Wes had missed a chance just a couple of minutes before, and then he he put in that lovely ball, and it was uh, you could see it. You know, and you could see it coming when the as soon as the keeper made the decision to come out. It was, it was uh, great, and then to see Robbie's reactions after with his family and the crowd and everything like that. It was just a, it was a great moment, and it was. Um, I think everyone was saying at the time, it's something that'll last in the memory, like the great results of when we beat Italy before in England, and I think this will be up there with them as well. What did you make of Monday night? It was a two-all draw away from home against a good team. Mm. Is never a bad result. Uh, I kind of get the sense afterwards Martin O'Neill was having to explain to people how difficult it is to get results in those kind of environments it's kind of funny because we never seem to win away games against against big teams we get a lot of these creditable draws yeah. is there something in our mindset that goes out and, and I don't know if accepting the draws are the right way of phrase but mm. maybe it is do we sort of say look if we come away from here from point that's all we need yeah it's very hard because you would never set up you know in, to do that to mm. go and just get a draw because you don't know what's going to happen around the, the corner or whatever like that but the it's forever like you say forever it's always the same we never ever get a big win 
away mm. I mean we hadn't got a big win for ages and then we beat Germany so that's sort of broken that but then the away the away side of things it's it, it's, it is difficult and um, we scored the goal and you think great this is a whole new era the whole changing of everything and we're going to go and we're going to be a team now that scores and then we go and score again and straight away we just sat back and then for the next 65 minutes it was like this is awful and it looked really bad and then yeah. we went behind <laughs> and then we were brilliant again and we could have we could have won the match and it's just like well if you can just get that consistency and that belief in ourselves to, to go and um, continue what like we started great then stopped then started and it's like against Sweden and the thing scored the goal and then we sat back and wait and we can see it and then it's like oh well done it was a good draw and all this stuff so it's like um, I don't know because it's it's a really really long long history of the same thing so it's not it's not this team it's not the last team it's not the team it's it's everyone it's yeah. the whole I don't know the well, whole mindset of the country probably hopefully we'll pull one off against maybe Wales or Austria or something like that do you think we will qualify just very briefly um, yeah I think we will I think I think fortunate with the group of players that we've got are, are full of energy and full of willingness I suppose and they want to learn they, they've had a taste of what's what the success is in the Euros and I think the the management um, is very good I think they've, they've been successful and I think they're the right motivators and, and they'll get the right balance between motivating and keeping everyone together and I think that will be the difference I think we'll we'll get some big results over the next two years yeah, great to hear well, Richard Good. brilliant to talk to you and keep hammering those French lads in the <laughs> <of> thanks <laughs> thank you Richard Dunn was in town to promote SSE Airtricity's Power of Green campaign which is all about what makes us a unique nation and the values we stand for lovely guy oh wow very, very nice guy well, what he stands for Murph in part is making sure those young French five-a-side players don't get too uppity I really <laughs> what I an image I, I wouldn't fancy playing <laughs> Richard image. Dunn in five aside or, or seven aside to be more factually accurate um, that seems yeah like that seems quite quite an intimidating atmosphere I don't think I could I could handle that but at the, I, I think yeah you're, uh, didn't he say the five aside was just with his mates with yeah. the Irish lads mostly and, and he enjoys that he enjoys that he just but then he also enjoys kicking French lads up in the air yeah I mean that's he said they don't really like us I don't know why the Irish people there aren't welcomed uh, the Irish five aside Astro because players. Richard Dunn the biggest player on their team keeps Keeps keep, keeps kicking their footballers up in the air. I'd say Richard Dunn's pretty. We saw him slaloming this morning. Murph past Russian defenders. I'm pretty sure he could slalom past a few five aside yeah. defenders. But maybe maybe he gets most enjoyment from football by kicking lads up in the air. You know, maybe the slaloming is you know the stuff that he could blithely leave behind. That's in the past. But the kicking lads, that's that's going to stay with him forever. Really interesting view on very unsentimental view on professional football as a whole, really, and you know the kind of grind of the day to day club activities. He seems to be happy enough to be out of that, even though he misses playing for Ireland. And it's interesting that he says he seems to be at as much of a loss uh, at a lo- as much of a loss as the rest of us to explain why. Ireland always sit back after scoring a goal and never win a big game away from home. I didn't. You're you talking to a guy who's been in a lot of those games, and you're, yeah, you're conscious. You don't want to insult them. He's been involved in some great away performances, but straight away he he jumped on that and he said, "I don't know why this happens. I've been involved. It's always been the case. It's still the case now. We just can't beat big teams. We just don't beat big teams away from home. We didn't, yeah. don't think he used the word can't because there's no reason why we shouldn't. Yeah, it's bizarre, you know. And watching on Monday night again, just like this subconscious." thing in our heads that a draw is a good result therefore 
that's all we should aim for. You know, like it's it's just it strikes me as very very strange. And he said we that's not. I, I believe him. It's not that that's what's said in that in the in the team meeting. Let's go out and get a draw. But yeah. you're right. This subconscious, bordering on conscious thought that you're going to be happy enough with a one all with a two all draw. And in this case, I don't know. You you feel like it's a, it is not a bad result, particularly given the flow of the game. But we might need a win against Austria mm. or Wales, given well, that the only, only the game, one team definitely gets through. Yeah, I mean it's. Yeah, it's weird. Like there, the fact of the matter was, there was no flow to the game. I mean, it was just the the every time a goal was scored, the flow of the game changed entirely. So when Ireland scored, Ireland did something completely different to what they would have otherwise been doing, and Serbia did the same. Serbia equalised. We start to play a bit. Serbia go ahead. They stop playing. We start playing. I mean, that's, there's not that's not the ebb and flow of a game. That's just bizarre behaviour by two teams, not just us. Because Serbia did the same thing. You know, Serbia stopped playing the second they got ahead as well. It just strikes, it's just very, very strange, very, very odd. I suppose we'll get into it tomorrow morning with Richie and Ken. Simon, Warren Gatland confirmed as Lions coach today. Your yep. hot take, please. <laughs> it was a formality. Everybody knew it was going to happen. One of those leaked stories that's boring by the time it comes out. But with um, Eddie Jones and Joe Schmidt saying they weren't interested, there was only one man for the job. And it's just a completely different proposition from what he's done before with the Lions. It's New Zealand. It's midwinter. It's almost guaranteed whitewash. It's a completely different experience from going to Australia, South Africa, a completely different job. Would you give him a certain amount of praise for taking it on, given that that's the case? He could walk away now and he has the Lions test victory on the CV. He could easily just leave it at that. Uh, And as you're saying, there's no guarantee at all that you're even going to get a test victory. And you could come away with a few defeats in midweek games as well. But he's taking it on. Well, it's a bit like the Ryder Cup captain. There's an incredible amount of nonsense talked about it in the build-up. You know, preparation, going to see players for a year before, and then three of your flankers get injured in the first game and you're calling over some fourth-choice Welsh guy. And that's the way the lines always goes. It in terms of pra- in praise for him taking on the job, in rugby terms, work-to-pay ratio, there's probably no better job. And it's also your status, your brand as a rugby manager uh, for the rest of your career. You take on the Lions job if you've already won a series, it doesn't matter if you go and lose in New Zealand, it's, it improves the rest of your career. It is ridiculous that he's not managing Wales for the for the next year, isn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, it, of all the jobs, he's you would done think, this before, yeah. I mean, at least until the Six Nations. I mean, the Six Nations will end when? Like, end of March, middle of March, St. Paddy's weekend. And you, two and a half months isn't enough time for you to say, if, as you say, prepare see the what, three flankers. See which players that come out of that Six Nations healthy and fit and in form. Yeah. and then start making decisions. We haven't had a chance to talk about Stuart Lancaster's appointment to the Leinster coaching team, so let's get into that right now with Shane Horgan. Shane, a pretty basic question to start. Is this a good appointment for Leinster? Um, I'm not certain, actually. Um, I think he's a, a decent coach with an average enough record. Uh, but the issue for me, as I see it, is that uh, you know what sort of coach do Leinster need at the moment? And the the qualities that Stuart Lancaster has or his his foremost qualities I don't think are the ones that are the ones that Leinster need right now um, they need uh, a defensive coach a specialist defensive coach is one which ones is uh, what they've lost Lancaster isn't that he didn't uh, he had a very effective defensive coach in um, Farrell when he was with England um, so that's not his speciality um, I think they need to work on their first phase attack Um that's not really his his role either, and uh, you know if we're talking you know overall strategy, 
I don't think that he's proved himself to be a brilliant strategist either. And Leinster have just had in um, Henry to help out uh, Leo in that department. So I'm just not really certain you know, why Leinster have gone for him at this point. Yeah, I remember when we were talking during the World Cup, you were... Uh, you know, you were dubious enough about the English coaching team as the tournament progressed. And I think one of the criticisms you had was the amount of control that uh, Andy Farrell seemed to have within that process, which I guess might be a little bit worrying. Although if he's coming in under another coach, if he's working under Leo Cullen, maybe that sort of uh, lack of a force of personality isn't as much of an issue. Well, yeah, I think that's probably the least of my concerns because he's not going in as a head coach. It, there's no, it's not an element of succession. He's, in fact, been given a very um, short-term contract, which uh, in itself I don't think is is always a good move. It doesn't promote stability. Um, but that was, uh, yeah, that's the least of my concerns because he is, although it will be a senior coach, Leo is very much the head coach and continues on in that role. Um, for, well, I've always thought that Stuart Lan- Lancaster, his main trade or his best quality is is as a culture builder. And uh, I thought he did that very well with England. England, at the time when he took over, weren't in a particularly good place. Uh, and I, I think he, he developed something among those players, uh, um, a, a, a kind of a, a character and, a, a, and a, a move away from the individual to the collective. And I thought that was proceeding really well until it really mattered. The point that it really mattered was that the World Cup, and that's when he abandoned it and he moved away from it and parachuted in, as we know, a couple of players and then did it on selection at 10 and um, didn't uh, back his man. So, And I don't think that's one of the main concerns for Leinster at the moment. I said it's more, t- I think the coaching um, requirements for them are more tactical uh, and spe- uh, and technical than they are, um, you know, culture-based. So, I, I just don't really, you know, I don't really see this as a really inspiring pick. According to Johnny Sexton, well, certainly last season, that culture is a problem at Leinster. Well, um, yeah, maybe, maybe. listen, maybe that is something he's developed. I don't know if he's gone into, into change that, if he's gone into develop that. Um, he said I know he Johnny wants to said, work with I the academy and, the and with the, the attack season. as well. Pardon me? He said he wants to work with the academy and attack be attack-minded as well. So it sounds like his brief might not be quite as tight as we were told at the first press conference. Yeah, but then, you know, what exactly is his brief? Is it, you know, what what exactly is it? We haven't found that out. I think if he's, you know, developing younger players, maybe that's something that he... Actually, that is something that he's got quite a bit of experience in in the past, and that might be a very beneficial uh, to Leinster. Um, you know, as you said, if there is a problem with culture, um, Johnny Sexton brought it up at the end of... Uh, the season last year, you know, he will know that better than I do. Um, I, 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 I can't, I'm not privy to, you know, what's going on in the changing room, but um, I think that you know, from a coaching perspective, I think that they need uh, somebody that's specifically um, a defensive coach, or you know, that's one of the, the foremost specialities he has. But I also think as well um, that their their attack wasn't good enough, especially off first phase. They would have been the areas that I would have thought. Um, need to be addressed from you know from a from a coaching perspective. You know, I think you need your head coach um, developing the culture. I think if you need to bring someone fly, you know, bring in somebody else to develop the culture, I think you've actually got concerns there. So I would think, and I think that Leo is would be someone who'd be very good at that. Uh, that and the senior players that exist. You know, if the culture is a problem, I don't know if Stuke Lancaster, even him being a culture coach, if uh, 
if he's the if he's the man to come in and fix it. Is there an argument here that the appointments? You know, we're talking it's, it's September at this stage. Uh, initially, Kurt McQuilkin was supposed to be involved this this year, had to leave because of family reasons. So given the timing of the appointment and maybe the fact that it is only going to be for a set period of time, is this the best Leinster could have done, given that they've got a former England coach, England head coach involved, uh, given they probably had a pretty short turnaround on it? Yeah, well, I suppose there, there's some truth in that, but... You know, are you trying to put a, a, a square peg into a round hole? That's the other thing. You know, Leinster are um, supposedly one of the preeminent clubs in Europe. You know, it's a very, you know, it's a, it's a, they're a team that's won the Heineken Cup three times. They're a team that um, should be looking to attract the highest quality coach. It would be good on anyone's CV to work for Leinster. Um, and, you know, I don't think Stuart, although he, t- he t- did the England job, um, you know, he hasn't got a, a career that's spanned by, by by winning things. And I think, you know, I like uh, coaches that have had success and and have lifted trophies. And um, if if you want us, that's where Leinster want to be. I think they're the kind of individuals you should be looking for. I'm not saying that um, it would it would be easy to get uh, the right man, but um, you know, I'm, I'm just not sure if, the, if if I'm not saying Lou Lancaster isn't a good man, but I'm just not sure if he's the right man. Uh, for this, this, for this role, Lancaster never won anything with England, and then Eddie Jones takes over and can't lose. The more games that pass under Eddie Jones with England, the worse that Lancaster CV looks at that time. Is that a problem? Do you think for a coach coming into a club as big and as successful as Leinster, is there sort of a perception gap that he needs to build there, where he he needs to prove himself again to players, or do they accept who's coming in? You know, he's, he's an England former England head coach, so we listen to what he has to say. Well, I think they'll listen to what he has to say, but there'll be there's a lot of players in that Leinster setup with a lot of caps. Now, listen, there's a lot of younger guys as well, but they would have experienced a lot of good coaches um, in in you know some of them Cheka. Um, uh, you know, a lot of them, a lot of them, Joe, and they would have experienced um, high-quality uh, technical and tactical coaching. So, if you know Lancaster isn't at that um, at that standard, he'll be. He will. Players will recognise that very quickly. I think they'll get, certainly give him a good crack of the whip. But um, I think he'll need to deliver on that side of things straight away. And it won't be enough just to be, you know, in that in that. Um, in that group of players, it won't be good enough just to be, you know, a good professional culture builder of a coach. That won't be enough. They'll need to be, um, I think, excited and uh, inspired and uh, respectful of the, you know, of the of new innovative ideas that that a new coach is bringing. And um, we'll see if Lan- Lancaster can do that. What position does it leave Leo Cullen in? Uh, supposedly he was on the phone to Lancaster a few times before the appointment. I guess it's quite different to, particularly the way you're talking about Lancaster here, Shane, it's quite different to, say, the Razzie Erasmus appointment at Munster, where it's a head coach being very much undermined by the appointment of somebody else. Is it a different dynamic play, a dynamic of play here for Cullen? Yeah, I think it's entirely uh, different. Um I don't know how much role Leo had in the appointment. I don't know if that was uh, if that's been set out yet. Uh, I can't imagine that uh, um, Lancaster would have been imposed on him. Mm. Um, I think he would have ha- he would have had to have uh, agreed to it. And um, 
you know, he's, he may be happy with having uh, Lancaster on board. But um, I don't think it's in the same position whatsoever. Again, it doesn't look like um, a succession thing. It doesn't look like uh, Leo is, is being pushed aside. Um, it does it does smack of, you know, having someone, uh, you know, older, um, keeping an eye on, on Leo and being a... No, sorry, sorry, not keeping an eye on Leo, but um, having someone to bounce things off. Um and someone who's who has a bit more experience at a, at a higher coaching level for longer, and that may be a value to Leo. Um, and I think it probably you know there will be elements of it that will be uh, that will be of, of some value to Leo. But again, if I'm to, to think about what Leinster most need, I'm not sure if that's it. The other news that we haven't had a chance to talk to you about was Ruin Pienaar and his uh, departure, or impending departure from Ulster. Shane, I heard you talking about this a few days ago, actually, elsewhere. It sounds like uh, you're not overly impressed with how this, this one's been handled by the IRFU. Um, no, I just think it's, it's, it's a tricky situation, and I can, you know, I can understand um, where the IRFU are coming from, and... and a broad stroke of, of what they're trying to do is is correct, but I do think that you've got to take every situation on, on its merits as well, and it's not it's not a um, it's not a lead on to say if we remove somebody for if there's a foreign player um, or non-Irish uh, qualified player uh, in a position and or there's two of them in positions uh, within the in the provinces if we remove one then we'll have automatically another international in that position because that's not the way things uh, pan out and just because you are you you bring a player through that's irish qualified to play in that position that can have you think oh we're making him closer to being an international but if he's not good enough for that level then um then he's not good enough for that level and it doesn't matter how many games you give him like there's a lot of games in the in the uh, season in the Pro 12 and across Europe, there's a lot of games, the potential to get games, potential to get game time. There's the British and Irish Cup as well. And if somebody is really knocking on the door, you know, you'll see it and it'll be, it'll be a much smoother transition and it won't be as big an issue. But that's not the case at the moment in Ulster. And Rune Pienaar is still a very, very important person uh, within that squad. And until they have somebody, um, they develop somebody, um, I think that it could have a bigger negative effect on all the other players in that team um, by removing them. And I think you know, that's one element. Of this. The other element of it is that uh, I felt similarly with Ethan Asiba when uh, Leinster let him go for the first time, um, or there was talk of them, I thought, talk of them letting him go, um, that... A player who's come over and who's really put down roots in Ireland and is committed to one of the provinces over a, 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 a you know a long period of time. They don't deserve. They don't. It's not as if you give them a, a contract for as long as they wanted. You give them certainly a contract as for as, as long as they're producing and important for the province. But I don't think it's good enough then to pull the rug out from underneath them and and just um, sort of um, not give them another contract based on the fact that we need another indigenous player in that role even if uh, he, you know there isn't a there isn't a clear path for that player to, to do so it also seems Shane, while we're talking about coaches that you may be losing potential future 
Ulster coach there in Pinar, or you, you see the the culture fits so well with the likes of Howlett and Munster or Nathiwa in in Leinster, as you said. And it's not just that immediate factor of losing the player and the player's influence on the other players around him and the potential young scrum half that might be coming up underneath him, but then also that future sort of brain drain from the country. Yeah, and I think there was kind of, in the statement that I saw, there was kind of an implication that the door was open and we'd, we'd see him again. But but who knows? Who knows? And what, can you guarantee that? And the player now get, goes to France um, and, you, of course, you lose him as a as a footballer himself but he also lose his his uh, rugby intellect for the um, that season and uh, then he, you also run the risk of you open him up to another culture and another um, club that may you know really value that knowledge and that um, and that perspective that he has along with his footballing skills and, and make him an offer that, that he can't refuse so that's that goes as well I mean, and I'm not saying there's not other people you could get that would be that could be potentially really good for for Ulster. Rion Pinar is not is the end all and be all, but there just seems to be a lot of positives for that guy for what he's done uh, with uh, Ulster. It seems like a very good fit, and it seems like Ulster themselves are are, are going to maybe are going to be um, in a bit not not quite trouble, but they're they're going to um, you know not be. Not be where where they want to be when they let him go. All right, Shane, brilliant stuff. We'll leave it there. Thanks, Mill. Thanks a million. He's just a crying big baby. But you cannot call him a player, a baby. Coach. And we never said they are baby. He's just a crying big baby. And you cannot call him a player a baby. There you go, Shane. Not at all convinced to go back to Lancaster there, Simon, that he is what Leinster need right now. Yeah, well, Kurt McQuilkin, the loss of Kurt McQuilkin hasn't really been discussed. It's more about what Stuart Lancaster brings. But in '09, when Leinster had the best defence in the European Cup, McQuilkin was the defence coach. And the best thing about Leinster last year when McQuilkin came back was their defence. Uh, they had the best defence in the league by some distance. Um, so there's that loss combined with the fact that Lancaster isn't necessarily defence coach, even though he has said he, he's done it down in a lower level in New Zealand. Um, but Lancaster strikes me as a guy who you know he's got that inquisitive mind he's constantly trying to grow he looks beyond the game he spent time in the NFL he's as we said gone to the southern hemisphere he's worked with academy players he's worked at every level of the game and we've seen with the likes of Les Kiss and others you don't necessarily have to start off as a defense coach to become a good defense coach understanding an attack is a pretty good way to become a defense coach I think he may become a good one I don't know if he will instantly be you know, a huge bonus for Leinster. But I also like his personality from his very first press conference with England. He just came across as really decent and sincere um, and smart. And and at the time, you thought, 
this is a completely different type of English rugby coach um, and it would be great if he succeeded. He didn't quite succeed, but I think he'd be quite a good fit for, and without being too general in terms of an Irish personality versus an English personality, I think he'd be quite a good fit compared to the likes of Brian Ashton and others who've come over here to try and make it. All right, we'll leave it at that. We will bring you plenty more Ireland-Serbia reaction in Thursday's Irish Time Second Captain's Football Podcast. Hope you enjoyed the Richard Dunn interview today. He uh, He's a good guy. Thanks, Murph. Thank you, Owen. Thank Thanks you, Simon. Much, Thanks, Owen. Thanks, Murph. Thanks so much for listening. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.